Welcome to Doctor Who on the Rocks, a podcast where we drink whiskey, discuss the longest running show in science fiction, and arbitrarily assign points to find out who really is the best doctor. I'm Diana, and I've seen it all. And I'm Jen. I've seen nothing. So this week's story is an unearthly child, and we have decided to just do the premiere episode as opposed to the whole story because the premiere episode is iconic. But first, it's the whiskey of the week. Hell yeah, my favorite part. Yeah, so this week we are doing... Tawakaro. Um, it's a relatively new Texas whiskey. It is, so far, my favorite. Um, this one is their rye. They also have a four grain that I highly recommend. Uh, but I have not tried the rye yet. Um, oh, so this is different from the other one? This is different from the other one that we've had. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so this is new to me too, folks. Yeah. So. Cheers. Cheers. Clink, clink. Oh, wow. I could get used to some rye. Yeah. Oh. It's definitely like, and I don't know, for uh, the rye fans out there, apologies if I don't describe this well, but it's definitely a more smoky uh, taste. Absolutely. It just feels, my mouth feels fuller, for lack of a better term. Sure. Because the other one we had last week was more of a throat the, spice. The Sassanac. The Sassanac. Yeah, it was yeah. more of like a throat spice. This one is more of just like my whole, my mouth feels full. That's what she said. <laughs> hey So now one of the things we forgot to do last week, because we're still getting kind of used to everything, mm-hmm. um, we did it. We forgot to rank it. Oh, shit. We're going to rank all of these whiskeys for y'all so that, okay, so I say it's for y'all. It's really so that we know what we like because we have absolute shit palettes. And the only way we're going to know what our favorite whiskeys are is to rank them and compare them against each other. Yeah. No, for sure. So if you had to take your mind back a week, a.k.a. about an hour ago. For me, it was like two minutes ago oh sure same i was just giving us a little bit of, i was just giving us a little bit of wiggle room <laughs> so if you had to take your mind back two minutes ago what on a scale of one to ten what would you have given the sassack without having before you would have tasted this which i know is a strange question so the sassack is definitely something that i can just sip on for sure right um, so I would give it a 10 on sippability. Sure. A one on chugability. Girl, I don't know what kind of whiskey you're going to be drinking that you want to chug though. But I'm just saying just because, because like I actually just had to finish this glass to pour this new one in. Sure. Um, <laughs> I definitely felt <laughs> more of the punch. Sure, but let's pretend like you're not chugging whiskey because that seems sacrilegious. Yeah, no, that's right. And I also feel like I just offended all the whiskey drinkers. I definitely out feel there. offended. I am sorry, but also you are talking to a woman that is just discovering the art of sipping liquor. Fair. Fair. So in the concept that we never we never chug our whiskey. Yeah, no. Or you, so you never feel, mix your whiskey. Well, we can mix our whiskey. There are definitely some that, like, I've definitely had some where I think this would be mixable. I actually watched um, a... Do you want to, though? I personally am not a huge mixer, okay. but I, because... Would I'm you a, actually describe yourself as a real whiskey drinker if you mixed your whiskey? Sure, because sometimes you are looking for a beautiful mixed drink. Okay. There are some things. Okay. You, 
I watched, so just for the record, Burns Night was a couple of nights ago, which is a celebration of Robert Burns, the Scottish poet, um, national icon for Scotland. And I definitely watched a number of videos, including one done by Mr. Sam Hewen himself that showed a really beautiful mixed drink made out of his the Sassanac. Okay. Yeah. I, this is all new to me, folks. So bear with me. It's a learning process for both I'm you not and saying, I. I'm not saying that the Sassanac is something that we should maybe mix with Coca-Cola. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> but, Sailor Jerry's or, is what I mix with Coca-Cola. Okay. Or like Fresca. <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh no! You know, no. yeah. If 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 we do it right, a beautiful where we cocktail, get, like a mm-hmm. mixologist in here, into really like, yeah. You know how they do it with it when they peel the orange and then like they they like yeah that you know, the so whole thing. so. What are are we giving? Are we giving the Sassanac a ten? N- no, huh. See, this just, it just feels so arbitrary. Like, oh, it's totally arbitrary. This is, this is the lawyer remember, in me coming arbitrary. out. Yeah, this is the lawyer in me coming out to like, what is our Because remember, scale? At, some point, is our- at some point, we'll try the Sassanac again, and you'll be able to give it another score. Okay. So eventually, it'll all average out. So, okay. But your first taste, I remember, last episode, we were I was highly a, complimentary. We were enamored with it, honestly. Yeah. So I... I, I think maybe not a 10 because I think that's just very ambitious mm-hmm. in comparison to everything else that we're going to drink and taste. I would probably give it an eight to be safe, but it's definitely up there for me because of the fact that I was able to take it down and enjoy it. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Which very is, that. Which is for me, like I said, with the caveat that I am just starting to enjoy alcohol. Yeah by itself with no mixers i'm also not that cheap bitch that has like sprite and like coke yeah. in my mixes but i'm also like i'm more of a beer drinker so this, sure. is, this is coming from a beer drinker to someone that's appreciating the actual taste and like that fuck you punch yeah. in the gut feeling that liquor gives you sure yeah i mean i was gonna give it a nine so okay we're, yeah, i'm we're not mad close. yeah yeah um i was gonna give it a nine because i do appreciate a neat whiskey i'm more of a rocks drinker thus the name of the show yeah um but the sassanac is one i have a cup i have a very very short list of whiskeys that i don't want to drink on the rocks um lafroig being a beautiful whiskey scottish Mm -hmm. whiskey that i i won't i don't like to drink on the rocks um and you know what? I'm going to probably include the Sassanac. I probably won't drink it on the rocks ever because it's just a honestly, yeah. good whiskey. Yeah, honestly, just from drinking it, sorry, Sam, on the rocks uh, mm-hmm. during our last episode, I definitely felt like I got more out of it. Mm-hmm. Neat. I so do, I too. agree with you. I yeah, agree there are with definitely you. some where I'm like, oh, yeah. this rocks experience is everything. Thing. with that uh which we might get to it later but mm-hmm. it was that one that you brought over to my house the other day it was like a, the blue one maybe oh that was one of the um balcones yes that that like you really like once you put the ice in it you really taste the honey yeah flavors in it sure uh that that opening did not happen yeah with the, with the i agree after drinking it on the rocks mm-hmm yeah, no, I would I, not. I would not want to taint the flavor in, in I the body of it. I didn't benefit from not the at all. rocks. Not at all. I felt. I feel like drinking it on the rocks. T- no pun intended. Watered it down. Like yeah. the flavor got really bland. Right, and usually when you have a whiskey that you want to drink on the rocks, it opens the flavor instead of watering it down. And yeah, definitely not. And I this, agree. This definitely um, pooped the party, if you will. Just because our podcast name is On the Rocks doesn't mean that everything needs to be drunk on the rocks. No. It's uh, just we're, a, we're drinking it's just a uh, this whiskey. What was it Tawakaro. called? Tawakaro. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, so I am deferring to my whiskey connoisseur and over here. Fun fact, mm-hmm. it is an indigenous name for the body of water that they actually get for the whiskey. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought you would like that. Yes, I do like that because I do yeah. like to pay homage to uh, what it is. Indigenous <laughs> culture and the region it's from. Now, yeah. this p- whiskey is um, uh, from the Grapevine area, which okay. 
is special for me because that's where my grandfather lives. Okay. He okay. lives in Grapevine. And so I have been okay. going to Grapevine, Grapevine Texas. Grapevine, not Texas. Grapevine, California. No, no, girl. We're not from Cal. We're not living in California anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> both of us have lived in California. We're both Texas girls, though, deep down. Um, yeah. So we're in Grapevine. This is going to be right outside of Dallas. Okay. And where all the dinosaurs are. Where or, all the dinosaurs are. Yeah, guys, if you, whatever, it's fine. Dinosaurs are great. I'm a big dinosaur nerd. Other podcasts, yeah. but uh, hashtag That'll be a different show. <laughs> different show, different podcast. Um, we drank their four grain a couple of weeks ago, which was real good. Oh, that so one we good. did have on the rocks. Yeah. That and one I felt was like on the rocks. That one, well, I, to be fair, I only had it on the rocks. You had it right. neat. And I loved them both ways. Okay. Guys, Tawakaro is my favorite Texas distillery as of this moment. Maybe you along with me will find that I will like something more, but Tawakaro is where it's at. Um, I think they have a lot of really great flavor. It really reminds me of the complexity of some of the scotches that I've tried. Because um, I'm a big peat fan. And granted, we don't really get peat in Texas. Um, Tawakaro really has provided a complexity that I'm a big fan of. Now, considering that you gave the Sassanac last week an eight. Okay. Do you like this one better? Yes, I do. Great. Just because... Um, not to get sexual, but oh, uh, <laughs> please get sexual. But this one definitely just fills my mouth up a little bit more. Like I feel, <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like um, with the Sassanac last week, it was definitely more of like a back tongue throat feeling burn that. Yeah. Is what she said. <laughs> Let me just describe whiskey in the most sexual way that I can. I, I mean, it is the only way to describe it. <laughs> back, to, back to our scoring. So back to the scoring. Um, no, I feel like in terms of just, and I don't even know if this is a word, but uh, swallowability. Um, <laughs> I don't know the other like this is the best way I can describe it look guys we're not here to be academic about it yeah seriously I'm sorry I you know like I said before I know one thing and that's immigration law and I can describe <laughs> that differently but like for any other thing in my life you're just gonna get what I feel okay so swallowability sure uh, this whiskey this week I can definitely take a sip of and not feel like I'm getting punched in the throat, uh, which is pleasurable. I, I would rather not fair. get punched in the throat when I'm, when I'm taking things in my mouth. I think that's fair. Thank you. You know, some people may disagree, but... Um, I don't. <laughs> but honestly, I just feel like... Um, uh, uh, just with, with the fact that I could uh, enjoy all the flavors at once, mm -hmm. it just it just made the whole drinking experience uh, better for me. Yes, because it was from lips to throat. Uh, it was like coated in the smoke, if I if I can describe it like that. I think that's one of the reasons I like it because as a peaty Scotch drinker. I really like I one of the things I have learned because remember I have no sense of palate I'm just told what are the characteristics that I like because of the things that I like um, that one of the things that I like is the tobaccoiness yeah. of stuff so so I'm not now surprised that I just took to a hear, sip as yeah. you said that very much so yeah so for for you to say that you like the smokiness of it um, really resonates because I am being told through my research that smokiness is one of the things that I like okay yeah um, I feel like at the end of of the sip and when I swallow um, it's more like a holistic burn if we will mm. not just a throat burn yeah like with assassinat yeah um which i i enjoy because let's spread the feeling around right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the assassinat was still real good. i mean you still give it an eight so oh, yeah no it, it was so it was what good. so what score would you give tawakaro oh, gold God. rye 
You can go into decimals. That's okay. 100%. So I would give it an 8.75. Ooh, going into those hundreds. Yeah, because of the fact that even still, and this is going to probably be the caveat with all whiskeys, right? It's still like, ugh, like a shock to the system. But this one was a more enjoyable shock because mm. it was a shock that was spread around. Sure. It wasn't just a shock to one of my body parts. Sure. Um, being my throat. <laughs> and I think that at the end of the day, like maybe if I were at a bar somewhere post-COVID, I would probably get a, a glass of this neat just yeah. to sip on and sure. just be talking to people just because I, I I wouldn't feel that same like spice that I felt mm. in my throat from the Sassanac. Oh, and that's interesting because I'm going to go ahead and give this rye. I gave the Sassanac a nine. Okay. And that's real high. Yeah. But that's because I feel like I could drink the Sassanac like water. It but was, do you think it was because of Sam? Way to call me out. <laughs> I was like, are you rating it no, high? Because I, I honestly Sam, don't think and so. And Sam liked your picture. I mean, that's also fair. <laughs> um, I honestly don't think so because I've definitely, I have a, a different kind of love relationship with whiskey. You than do. Jen you really has. do. You really do. And yeah. I've really gone into kind of this um, deep dive into what do I actually like about whiskey. And um, spoiler alert, my favorite whiskey is a Laphroaig. Um, I could drink Laphroaig all day. Um, and so I know that I really like that kind of more complex uh, flavoring. Um, and I really liked the Sassanac. But it was definitely more of a honeyed, open flavor. It was a little bit, it was a little bit more simple. And I'm not mad at it. No, you're right. It was definitely a more, I guess I, I would describe it as a simple spice. It was beautiful. It was it was just a good, I, you know what? I imagine it as like a summer whiskey. For sure. In the heat, especially the Texas I could heat. See, yeah, I could see yeah. it being a, it cools me down. It's something I Because could, it's literally just in your throat. It's not a whole mm -hmm. body thing like this one is. I could imagine it being very, um, I wouldn't be mad mixing it the right way. This one, though, is just so, I don't know. It's got that winter feeling. It's got that I'm cold. I want to be warmed up. I want to, I don't want to necessarily, I can't imagine, I'm going to be honest. I can't imagine ordering this one at the bar. Mm, I could if I were uh, skiing. Well, okay, skiing, sure. I came back. You, girl, you live in Houston, Texas. Where are you going to ski? I'm sorry. I, at one point, had a white boyfriend who took me skiing, and I felt cold as fuck. You sorry, not skiing. I snowshoed. Just snowshoed. kidding. <laughs> snowshoed. Yeah, but that's kind of my point. Is like this, to me, I could see this being like, it's snowing outside. It's real cold. Um, yeah, but if, like, if I live like in Chicago, guys, like we live like, in Houston, sure. it never it got cold for like two days. But I, I think I would still maybe maybe I would drink this one like sitting near my fireplace, like on one of those cold nights when it gets down to thirty seven degrees here. It's like <laughs> I would see it like a bedtime whiskey. Oh, for sure, because it gives me just enough comfort. Hot toddy ish. Yes. This would be perfect yes. for yes. a hot toddy. I wouldn't put the Sassanac on a hot toddy. It's not got that um that not warmth. Body yeah, it's got that. it's not got that warmth to it. It's mm -hmm. definitely like a cooler um flavor profile. This one definitely has like a warmth to it that I'm super into though. Yeah, and my um, body I mean like that like fat little pillow that you yeah. like caress and not the actual warm. whiskey body terminology no no exactly just let, let's just make this abundantly clear so we don't get fucking sabotaged sure so i'm gonna give this because because it fits more into the prof flavor profile that i'm interested in um i'm, I'm gonna give it a 9.2 okay 
So it's a for me, it's a little bit better than the Sassanac, which is not to say that I don't love the Sassanac because I of really Sam. do. No, but also because I really do love the whiskey. No, the whiskey was good. really beautiful. It was yeah. just a different kind of whiskey that I want for me. Um, so you're gonna go with an eight point seven five, and I'm gonna go yes. with an, and I'm gonna go with a nine point two. Perfect. Fuck and it. we'll try these again later. We're going to go into the premiere episode of Doctor Who, released on November 23rd, 1963. It was premiered twice because of the assassination of JFK, um, but we're watching it close to 60 years later. Um, and getting into the bulk of the episode, mm-hmm. we just watched the premiere. Now, Every time we do a podcast, we're not necessarily going to be coming straight off of watching an episode. But today we did. Today we did. Um, Jen, what are your initial reactions to watching the absolute very first episode ever done of Doctor Who? I mean, I feel like from a cinematic point of view and just in terms of marketing the, the series... It intrigued, it intrigued me to want to figure out where are these people from? Also, uh, what are you going to do with your educators mm-hmm. who in today's world would be very, and, and even back then, are very concerned just about this person's well-being. And, you know, coming from law and, 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 and doing immigration, it's very much just like, okay, they did the, their due diligence to, like, try to figure out, like, what's going on with you. So do you feel, so you feel like Ian and Barbara, who are our, main, our two teachers, mm-hmm. you feel like they were doing an appropriate, like, welfare check on their student as opposed to, like, nosy-ass motherfuckers. N- I heard, I, I think this girl's weird. We I should mean, go see what the real deal is. It's a little bit of both, but also the fact that, like, the way that, uh, what's the, the, the female teacher's name? Barbara. Barbara. She was, she also made some points just about, like, um, welfare things mm-hmm. that I was like, yeah, you should check up on it. Just because, like, I feel like, at least in, in, in my job and what I see teachers not do. Sure. You know, which is against Texas law. But, um, you know, ding, neither here nor there. Um, but it is there mm-hmm. because you should. Um, I felt like, OK, like I, I get why they were nosy, you know, in in, in, in in the terms of just like the show in general. Yeah, they're pe- those damn pesky kids. Right. Like Scooby Doo sure. terms. Right. Like. Which is honestly, context, context alert, is kind of one of the whole points of putting adults, grandpa kind of character and a teenager in the episode is, is this is a, a time period where we're looking at teenagers being this whole like, what the fuck are these? Yeah. What are these weird things that we're calling teenagers? And so this whole show is, it's why we have a grandpa, adults, and a teenager is to figure out the puzzle of the teenager see that makes sense because it shows a, a good it shows one version of a portrayal yeah. you know and it and i think that it really shows the concept of how alien the concept of the teenager was because we're not just showing a teenager but we're showing a teenager that like doesn't seem like she quite belongs yeah she's not even a normal teenager is the doctor human so the doctor from at least from this first pilot seems to be from a different timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, is he human? I don't I don't necessarily know. Like, I, sure. I feel like they kind of tease that he may not be. But you get that he's at least not of 1963 England as we yes, as they would have known it. But he still uses the term red man. So that still sure. makes me feel like 
in whatever world you're a part of, there's still, but that may not, that may just be a the, symptom of the writers. But that's, I would, I would argue that that's a symptom of the writers yeah. and the dialogue of 1963. Of course, of course. And so I will be interested to see as we progress through time and space, um, where, um, the, modern as in 1963 modern viewership modern okay characters Mm -hmm. are making said comments or if it's coming from the out of time out of space okay character is it supposed to be coming from the i don't get what's going on character or is it coming from the english british point of view i mean there's definitely a bias in where that comes absolutely because i feel like if it if it were truly if like today modern day 2021 america if we were truly talking about um someone from a different time timeline someone from a different world right uh talking about people they wouldn't have that same racial bias as was presented in this episode because they don't have that context right yeah it's that whole idea that like if you have a writer from 2021 doing this it's actually it's obviously going to be written differently but i think that what we're going to see is that as we progress considering that we have writers from 1963 and we can't divorce them from that that we are going to see the 1963 perspective given to the modern uh, actors, to the modern characters. Yeah. So Barbara and Ian are obviously pulled straight out of their jobs in 1963. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we watch them hop into this box. It's a different world. They're immediately like, WTF, mate. And the Doctor and Susan are different. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see what the writers give to Barbara and Ian versus the Doctor and Susan. Does that make sense? No, of course. And I'm just also just thinking about just like the critical analysis portion. And just for a heads up, I'm always going to be coming back to a 2021 Latinx indigenous woman immigration lawyer. Yeah. Uh, context in terms of the criticism that I give these episodes and uh, I will try my best to obviously put myself in the the lens of that era um, but this is just exactly the what I said before right like the older versions don't yeah. necessarily hold up right and it's one of the benefits of having uh, the two of us being of course the the commentators for this particular podcast if you're of looking course. for a different kind of analysis uh, there are so many like please reach out if you want some of my recommendations because mm-hmm, I've got mm-hmm. a bunch of them in my podcast library um but it's one of the reasons that this is going to be so interesting um so getting into the episode we've get we basically get this opening on a junkyard yeah and there's a police phone bo- do you know what a police have you ever seen a police phone box you know no. what that is? So I've only seen the, the, the red ones in Britain. The, those the are phone boxes. Those are just phone boxes. Yeah, but not the police ones. Sure. So police phone boxes were basically where you could call the Sorry, the England, yeah. not Britain. Sorry, because I yeah. learned the difference. Yeah, there we go. Um, so the, the, the fo- police phone boxes, for the best of my ability, please reach out if you know that I'm wrong. But you <laughs> go into them and you call the popo and you're like, hey. All the Karens in America would love one of those, by the way. Girl, I would love one. <laughs> I would love one, and I'm not a Karen. I would call them on Karen. I'd be like, so, ba- so basically, you go into the phone box, and you're like, yo, policeman, Karen is being something extra. She has assaulted one of our cashiers. So you go into the phone box, and you're like, yo, policeman, citizens arrest you shove karen in the police box and you can shut it up and the police is going to come arrest her later for the best of my grain said they didn't necessarily have karens back then interesting but like they were all karens don't i wish but so that's basically the whole point is that you could put one somebody in the police box until the police could come in and actually so it was like an actual like holding cell for citizens arrest to actually matter absolutely yeah it was when citizens arrest were a little bit more of a thing um so it was more like the shopkeeper rule and law Mm -hmm. like where you could keep someone 
So the shopkeeper rule was less literally like, um, and, and sorry, I'm a little rusty no and a little drunk. Um, but essentially, from what I remember from, from law school, is like shopkeepers can lawfully detain an individual for a reasonable amount of time. Granted, reasonable is uh, based on a quote-unquote reasonable per- person standard, right? Sure. Um, that you can detain someone for a reasonable amount of time if the shopkeeper believed that that person attempted to commit theft uh, or committed a theft in okay. that store. Yeah. So, so it's, it's similar. It's very similar. It's, okay. And you don't really see police boxes in Britain anymore. It's not. Okay. It's one of those things where if I were walking through England – Anywhere in the whole world, basically. And I saw a police box. I'd be like, oh, fuck. Doctor Who's filming here. Where's the doctor? Um, So police boxes are so rare anymore. There's like, I think there's like one old police box somewhere in London. And it's basically like photo op for Doctor Who fans. Got it. Okay. They're not used anymore. But at the time this would have been shown in, they weren't necessarily a rarity. It would have been a... Normalish thing to see. Uh, okay. So we open on this junkyard. There's a police box in the back corner, which is why Ian and Barbara, when they come in, our two teacher friends aren't like, how weird is this? What is this weird thing? The camera does that for us. Mm-hmm. It hovered on the police box. Yeah. To be like, what is this weird thing? Got it. Um, what did you think about Ian and Barbara? So, I mean, <laughs> um, at first, like, because I just like, and, and I, I just put all of this in the context of like my partner mm-hmm. and and who my partner tells me he was to teachers back in the day, and uh, my partner is an individual who. Uh, really questions things and really uh, just critically analyze things from a young age. And teachers, and this is just a generalization, not speaking for all, but some don't appreciate being questioned about what they do or just like being told they are wrong, right, to save face. So I'm going to talk from a teacher's perspective. Mm-hmm. Fuck those shits. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, my job is hard enough. <laughs> exactly. Like I got a real hard job. And this is why teacher, teachers should get hashtag paid more. Yeah. And like, to be fair, if I had a student like Susan, there would definitely be the aspect to me where I'm, I'd be like, I love this girl. I love her. I recognize her. But I you make her, my but like, fucking day to day fucking harder. Shut the fuck up. And I get paid up. pennies yeah. on the dollar to teach your ass. Don't don't tell me that there's a problem with the French Revolution. Exactly. I know there's a problem with the French we Revolution. We all know. There's a re yeah. There's a reason I'm not a teacher in today's uh, modern setting. And yeah. it's because specifically because I couldn't teach that the trail of tears <laughs> was like a sad thing and was an, w- was a forced relocation because textbooks trail of tears. I'm not kidding. Textbooks in our region are like, it's a willing relocation. Fuck that shit. Um, so we've got an ostentatious, very intelligent student in a classroom. Yeah. She seems to know everything. Well, back to the point of what I feel about them. Um, I think they were, I mean, I, th- I think it was just a regular teacher just venting to another colleague about yeah. this, like, one student that is obviously very, very smart, but is, like, making my life a living fucking hell. But then she says this one comment mm-hmm. that is um, really fascinating for 1963, yeah. which is that the British are on the decimal system. And at, in 1963, the British were not on the decimal system yet. Yeah, yeah. They were on pounds and shillings. And, um, but that was supposed to be a point that Susan didn't understand what was going on in her world. Yeah. You know, she, there were aspects of her time in class where you could see that she was just a little bit ahead. But it also could have been, I feel like at that time, a mental health check. 
Probably. Just because if, if you have two teachers that are experiencing something similar, that, that a student is saying things that doesn't make sense in yeah. our timeline. Yeah. At that point, I would I would think that a, a, a responsible, responsible educator would want to investigate with other educators. Absolutely. To I see mean, if, if this student um, needs other services. I know that in my time as a teacher, I definitely talked to other teachers to be like, yo, student A is a little bit X, Y, and Z. Do you find the same thing? Because that way I could actually figure out a way to address the issue. Um, and I think that's what Ian and Barbara are doing, but I don't think that they have any awareness. I think they think that Susan's just a weirdo. Definitely. I feel like they felt that she was a fucking weirdo. And that's also problematic because I think that like just us. Girl, from the- I know that's problematic, but Susan's a fucking weirdo. I mean, yeah, she is. She, she, de- I mean, for that time, I line, think it's fair for them to think that she's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, 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 yeah. especially because there are things like, and this is one of my favorites, and this is one of those times where I don't think the writers actually knew what they were talking about. I think this is a writer issue. Okay. Is when Ian is trying to teach a science class and Susan is like, but the fifth dimension. And Ian's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, but Mr. Chesterton, the the fourth dimension is time and the fifth dimension is space. Yeah, she Girl, the first three dimensions, (laughs) the first three dimensions... If in case anybody needs a science refresher, our length, width, and height. <laughs> like that is oh, space. Oh Lord. That flashback to algebra. X, Y, <laughs> and Z on the graph is length, width, and height. I don't know what she th- how is fifth whatever. It's fine. It's only one of those things that as a giant science nerd that where it's been drilled into me that really got on my nerves. Um but the fourth dimension is time. And for her to be able to have that concept, we don't have that concept in 2021. We can't travel in time. It'd be really cool if we did, but we can't. Um, so we get, we have our teachers deciding to do a little bit of an investigation. I've got to be honest. If I had a weird student and I had some other teacher that was like, oh, this student's really strange. We should go check in on them. There's a good chance. There's a good chance I'd do it. Especially if someone was backing me up. If yeah. somebody was like, no, I don't feel it. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to watch them a little bit longer. But if they were like, I'm feeling it, I'd be like, I'm driving. I mean, I feel like as educators, that's part of the responsibility, you know? Yeah. Especially in a in a state where you're a mandated reporter. Yeah. You know? Um, so you get these two. They show up at a junkyard. I'm also going to say as an educator... CPS. I mean, if I showed up at your address and it was a junkyard, I'm not just walking into the junkyard. I'm not going to do it. If I'm Barbara and there is a young strapping man named Ian walking next to me, I'd be (laughs) like, do you want to go first? And I'll follow. I'll like go with you, but I'm not going to be the person that goes first. In pretty much any way, shape, or form. I am not the alpha character in any story. I'm always going to be the beta. I'll follow. And I'll provide a whole bunch of commentary and backup. But I'm not getting shot first. I'm not getting attacked first. That's never my role. Um, So they go in. They see this police box. Everybody's like, this is a bunch of junk. Where the heck is Susan? And then Ebenezer Scrooge walks in. (laughs) And... He's kind of difficult. Yeah. Uh, he's very fucking difficult. He doesn't want to tell them what's going on. Ian walks around the police box. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see anything going on. The doctor's like, I don't want to tell you anything. I don't know what girl you saw. What girl? So my question would be, what would you do if you were looking for a young girl and a man like the doctor walked in and said, um, I'm sorry, what girl? Yeah, fuck that. I would also just be like, are you fucking hiding her? Do I need to call the police? Fortunately, in the middle of this, you can kind of see Ian and Barbara having this same realization when all of a sudden you hear Susan's voice from almost nowhere. Yeah, it, it really just like flashback to like a trafficking situation, mm-hmm. which I'm like, thank you for not letting up educators because a lot of people do. A lot of people just like 
go home. And as far as educators go, Barbara was a fucking champ because she heard Susan's voice. Ian starts arguing with the doctor and Barbara just barges into the TARDIS. Good. Into the police box. She's like just she like, should. she's just like, no questions. I heard her voice. I'm going to come to the rescue like Wonder Woman. And the doctor's like, don't do that. What are you doing? Who are you? What do you want? I, I don't know you. I'm a concerned citizen. And, you know, considering that we learned that Susan calls him grandfather, I can kind of understand where the doctor's coming from. He's like, what do you want? Yeah, I get that. And we also find out he was not such a big fan of the idea of Susan going to school in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan's only been going there for about five months. Um, I, as, as teachers, I don't know why they are unaware that she's only been going there for five months or where she was before that. But, you know, suspension of disbelief, that's totally fine. It's fiction. We then have this giant scene that's, I'll admit, kind of hard to follow, which I think we're going to find with a lot of these stories, especially when we've had whiskey. Yeah. Where the whole point is, Ian and Barbara do not know what the fuck is going on. And the doctor is like, well, of course you wouldn't know what the fuck is going on. You're dumb. Cool. And Ian's like, but I want to know, but none of this makes sense. So he's like the well-intentioned white guy who yeah. doesn't really know what's going on, but he wants to get it, but he does more harm in trying to know more. So did you realize that as they walked into the police box, it was truly bigger on the inside? There was more space inside than what Ian walked around in. How did you feel about that? I mean, I mean, for me, it was just like, okay. Just knowing, knowing what Doctor Who was, I was like, naturally. Yeah, just to kind of took it in stride. It yeah, was just it was like, just well, like, naturally, course, this is, fiction. of course, what's going to happen. Yeah. Science like, fiction is Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Of course. Did you know that it was going to be bigger on the inside? I did not know, but when I knew, I was like, duh. Like, nice. it's about Doctor fucking Who. Yeah, I, I don't think the scientist that's in disbelief of other dimensions is going to be Doctor right. Who. So like, right? Yeah, and that was one of my one of my favorite things was when Barbara came up to Susan and was like, "But Susan, this is all just a game. You're just playing a game." And Susan says, "No, it's true. This is a time and space. You know, this is the TARDIS." And Susan just tries to convince her that she doesn't know what she's talking about, and I think that's one of those conditions of 1963 where adults truly tried to or today hysteria where teenagers don't know what they're talking about they depression as a as a let's see susan's supposed to be 15 as a Mm -hmm. 15 year old you can't know you can't know know what it's like to live life and i think that was a really great part of the script for Barbara to try to tell Susan she didn't know what she was talking about when clearly this is Susan's like house. This is where Susan lives. This is her grandfather. Either you have to decide that Susan and the doctor are truly insane and are living in a place in their own brains. But it's also like her willingly giving up her power. Mm hmm. Because she's literally saying this teenager and this old guy are actually right. Well, how long would it take you to believe it? If I mean, you walked into a space that was bigger on the inside than it was on the outside. And people were telling you that it was actually a time machine, that it travels in time and space. I mean, in 2021 America, I'd be like, fuck yes, let's fucking go. I believe you it. think you would believe them. Especially just because I've seen, like, now that I've no, dived I think you're into science fiction. I think you're absolutely No, 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 crazy. no, no. I feel like, like, at this point in time, maybe because I'm drunk, I'd believe it. But, like, I think sober me would probably put up some resistance. But at the same time, it would not be outside the realm of possibility, given the fact that, like, I believe that there are things that we are not privy to like knowledge that we are not privy to i a hundred percent believe that but in the context of this first episode if it were me they have not been shown anything oh no 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 no. yeah 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 Yeah, that's what i'm saying like if we if 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 it were me going back in time in the context of that world 
I'd be like, yeah, fuck it up. But like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But like, but like, and, and that's why I that's why I prefaced it as like me being 2021 American, like having access to all these shows and just like all these things that happen, right? Like, it would not be outside the realm of possibilities for me now. But if I were a woman in like the 1960s, I'd probably be like. Yeah, like this this is a little fucked, girl. If I walked into a place that was bigger on the inside than it was on the outside and someone was like, we can travel in time and space and you cannot show me that we had traveled in time and space, as a woman of 2021 with a scientific background, I'd be like, what drugs have you given me and when? Valid, but I'm also just like, I'm along for this ride. Because sure. I, don't, yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be down. I'd be like, all right, show me. I'd be up for the adventure but I think I would definitely be more of the Ian and Barbara stance of like what drugs are you on what game are we playing here you're gonna have to show me before I'm yeah 100% I think involved. I'm saying this because I'm also really fucked up right now sure. so like yeah at this point in time I just like yeah let's all just yeah let's go on an adventure I believe you we're doing this but yeah sure. if it were sober me walking into this shit probably have some questions yeah right yeah that's that's all i'm saying is that like i think i would be like look i don't necessarily think the time travel is technically possible in the modern mm-hmm. setting so how what are we doing how is this possible you think that this is something that's normal it's not even possible yet mm-hmm. um then we get a slight kerfuffle with mm-hmm. the doctor and Susan, where the doctor's like, if you want them to live, you got to go with them. And Susan kind of freaks out about it. They fight over the console, and all of a sudden, we get screen shaking, lots of action. Ian and Barbara seem to have been passed out. Ian's on the floor. Barbara is ever so delicately passed out in a chair. And that's the end of the episode until we see the TARDIS on a landscape. And there is a shadow of a humanoidish figure advancing towards said TARDIS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to get into uh, the continuation of an unearthly child that's sometimes called 10,000 BC. It's sometimes called the planet of gum. Um, we can kind of get into that uh, in the next episode when we get into that storyline. It's all one story. But I figured the pilot is its own beautiful creation. It's where we meet our major characters. It's where we see the TARDIS for the first time. It's where we meet the Doctor for the first time. I thought we would handle it as a specific, unique element. Okay. Um, So my question is, if we're going to give TARDIS points, okay, as in, terrifically arbitrary rankings determined with intoxicated seriousness you have a scale of one to ten what are you giving the doctor for this episode intoxicated seriousness uh doctor measuring what again whatever you want um scale of one to ten arbitrary you know but serious the the doctor in 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 his right i give him a 10 because he was like protecting what I feel like at that point in time, he was protecting the the nature of the knowledge. He was also trying to protect his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were these like nosy fucking humans yeah. coming into his space and they got into his space. So now he has to divulge the information. Um, so I would also give the doctor a 10. This is kind of one of those things where... Uh, I don't see any problem with the doctor. If somebody came in in my house and was like, what are you doing? I'd be like, why you want to know? What's your name? Why you want to know? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's that in the background? Why you want to know? I-, I think the doctor was evasive and I think that's totally fair. Um, and also being a major fan of the show, how am I supposed to not give the premiere episode doctor a 10? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, if he was not amazing, we wouldn't have what we have today. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, really yeah. incredible that he was able to do this. Uh, and I know that we're going to get into a lot of hiccups down the road with the doctor, but like this is, 
I love the, I personally love this doctor. I am a big fan of the obstinate alien doctor. Um, and I think this is a really great representation of the obstinate alien doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, for sure. For our first official companion, we need to give Susan. Susan, I feel like she she's doing the best that she can as a sure. teenager in her era. Like, you know, like it is just such a great responsibility to ask a teenager not to spill the guts on the fact that you're traveling in time and in other worlds. Fair. And that like the knowledge that you know you have, other people don't have, you know? So like she's doing the best that she can. So on a scale of one to ten. I would say she's doing a ten. A ten. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. A nine. A nine. Because she's still no, an eight. An eight. She okay. still spilled the guts. How did she spill the guts? I think she was a little too obvious. A little that whole like <laughs> oh my god the french revolution yeah, got it wrong yeah she was still too obvious yeah. um, you know yeah mention. she was still too obvious yeah. you know like she needs a little bit more discretion sure i feel that uh, susan i'll also give a, uh i'm gonna give a nine for the similar reasons um i think that you can't ask a kid to like not be super obvious when they're like oh but it's wrong look you try and provide me with incorrect information and i'm like um i'm sorry excuse me no yeah so i can't even imagine a teenager not being able to hold back i was an obstinate little shit in high school i can't imagine how my teachers dealt with me i can't imagine going back to high school now and having teachers try and fucking deal with me so i know i'm an obstinate shit susan's an obstinate little shit um props to her so i'm gonna give her a nine so now barbara is our female teacher okay i would give her a 10 in terms of just like checking up and uh, like on what the welfare aspect of the kid yeah. and like picking up on the clues sure yeah i feel like i would also give her a 10 mm-hmm. because she busted up in there and was like we need to do a welfare check because uh i looked up her address and it's a fucking junkyard and the second someone's address is a junkyard, I think that's yeah. fair to be for sure to be asking questions for sure. Now, our foil to this, how about you feel about Ian, the male teacher? The male teacher. I mean, he's just kind of like a filler character for me at this point because sure. he really didn't do anything. He just accompanied her. Did he drive her? I think he did drive her. He's a chauffeur. He gets a hard three. A hard. Three, you heard it here first. <laughs> Man, I thought I was going to be rough on him by giving him a seven. And you gave him a three. Why did you, why do you feel he, had, you, because he because had nothing to add. Sure. And in, in everything that Barbara said, he was kind of just like, well, like minimizing it, sure. you know? And then when he got there, he was just such a fucking bitch. Yeah, he was like, this isn't possible. This isn't real. And my God, I ran through the whole fucking yeah. thing. And it was just a police box. How could this be? I, watching this episode this time from like a critical analysis perspective, I had a real hard time when Barbara looked at him and said, this is properly a welfare check, right? And Ian was like, let's be real. This is because we're offensively curious, right? And I mean, sure. If you're not offensively curious, why are you even in academics in the first place? Because right. that's just an underlying part of it. But when it comes to a student, if you're just offensively curious, fuck all the way off. Right, exactly. Like, I'm not into it. And so that's basic. That's essentially the first three points that I took off was because I was not into that whole aspect of that teachers were just interested in their students because they were dead curious. Yeah. Um, yeah so with that. that being said, I'm actually going to bring my score down to a five um, because I also wasn't into his coming into the TARDIS and being, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real, when presented with... With the real thing. Like, if I can put my hands on it, it's got to... It's it's re- Even if I'm, like, out of my mind with fever or drunk or whatever, if I can put my hands on it, like, I got to start thinking about it in a real context. And the fact that he wasn't able to do that, fuck off, you're not a real science teacher. Like, 
you if, if you can see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, you're gonna have to start putting it into your yeah, paradigm at some point. You yeah. just gotta you just gotta take it in. So you give them a three. Yeah. I give them a five. This week we're skipping the baddie score because there's really not any bad guy Mm-mm. for this story. We're just setting up everything. Unless you want to deem him a bad guy. I mean, unless you want to call him because he was definitely a doucher. Um, so really, all that's left is how do you rank the story? What did you think about this episode on a scale of one to ten? I mean, I think it was a, a great. I would say a seven. Um, a good intro. Um, I got a little bit of feel for like the depth of the characters. Um, I also feel that, I mean, a lot of the points are also just like production based, but, um, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, in terms of just like setting it up, I think they did a decent job in terms of just like giving you what each character's characteristics are going to be like mm-hmm. and, and what the story was going to follow. So, yeah. So on a scale of one to ten, what are you going to give it? What did I say? Seven? 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 Yeah. Yeah, seven. So I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a 9.5. But okay. I think it also... I can't divorce it from my affection for the series as a whole. Um because I love it so much and I know watching this first episode that they had no idea what they were creating. They had no idea that when they walked into the TARDIS and they were astounded that it was bigger on the inside, that that was going to become a thing or the sound of the TARDIS or the introduction music was going to become so iconic that, and that just really resonated with my heart that. So you're you're, you're grading it based on what it became, not what it was at the time. I don't think you can, watching it from a 21, 21 perspective, I think it's almost impossible to separate the two. Because. Yeah, I guess so. Because, uh, like, I guess it's advancement it's and I filming want, and everything. And it's yeah. why I want you to be watching it, because you don't have that affection. I mean, I think it did a really good setup. Yeah, like and it's I why think it was a really you good have setup. a seven. I mean, even you picking it out as a seven, I, I think that's great for a premiere episode mm-hmm. of anything to be able yeah. to set up the promise of a show that well. Um, you know, and that's why I'm coming from this perspective of I love I love this show. And I think that it sets up the show so beautifully. And that's why I'm going to give it a 9.5 is because it puts in a lot of those moments that considering that they didn't know what the show was going to be, that showcase what the show is going to be so well. Um, there are so many moments where I really feel like where you get, if you watch the premiere episode and then watched an episode from 1972 and then watched the 1966 movie, no, sorry, 1996 movie or watched one of the, you know, 2011 episodes that you would get the same feeling. And I think that's incredible that they were able to pinpoint that accidentally so early on. So premiere episodes get a 9.5. I cannot promise we're going to see such high numbers in the future, but the premiere episode really is something special, something truly special. Um, so you gave it a seven. I gave it a 9.5. But the question, was this a neat episode? I would say yes, because it really set everything up in terms of like who the naysayers in the series were going to be and who uh, I had to convince in just the general layout of like what Susan and the doctor had to face in terms of just like getting people on board i'm gonna be honest if you hadn't said yes i would have fought you (laughs) like it's just such a beautiful episode uh it it sets up everything so beautifully um i think it really does give you a beautiful idea of what you're going to be looking at companions to dr wise what you have with susan what you have with the teachers it introduces the tardis it introduces that nobody's going to believe that this is real it's fantastical it's 
absolutely irreverent. Why the fuck are they walking into a junkyard of all things to find a spaceship? Like it's bonkers and it's beautiful at the same time. It's psychedelic. It's trippy. And if I didn't say yes, I'd be out of my mind. I'd be out of my fucking mind. Like a true fan. Like a true fan. <laughs> I cannot promise everything's going to be yes, a yes, guys, because some of these are not going to be a yes. But this introduction episode, it, I, I can watch this episode it did a really good job. anytime. It did a really good job just setting everything up. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it because yeah. it really is something that is special for television and science fiction history as a whole. And, and like I said, I watch this episode sometimes just freestanding because it's, it's truly something special. Um, so that's going to be it for this episode. Um, we have watched the premiere of Dr. Hey, Who. We've talked about it a little bit. Um, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit special. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk. Uh, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye bye. Hey y'all, Diana here. One last thing. If you want to catch us for another jam, Subscribe to get Doctor Who on the Rocks as soon as it's released. And if you think we're neat, rate and review. Check us out at ontherockspod, all underscored on Instagram, or shoot us an email at mediaontherockspod at gmail.com with comments, whiskey recommendations, or just for a chat. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to the next glass.